Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory at StevensCreekChurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Good afternoon. Welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. I'd like to welcome all those watching online. Hey, and if you're watching online, I want you to encourage you to come visit us here at the creek. I'll tell you, if you come, you'll meet some of the finest people in all of Augusta, Georgia right here. I know it for sure. You know, I like to start with something funny. I heard about this old country farmer that took his nephew camping for the very first time. Now, this nephew was a smart guy. I mean, one of the smartest guys around. He had five college degrees, and, but had never been camping. So they got there, set up the tent. They quickly went to sleep that night because they were worn out. In the middle of the night, that old farmer uh, woke up. He punched his nephew. He said, look up. What do you see? He said, I see millions of stars. He said, I know, but what does that tell you? He said, oh, astronomically, that tells me that there's millions of galaxies. Oh, meteorologically, it tells me that it's a beautiful day. Theologically, it tells me that that God is a wonderful creator. Well, what does it tell you? The old farmer said, it tells me somebody stole our tent. (laughs) Today, we're continuing our series called Made for Mondays. And in this series, we are focused on learning about God's perspective of our work. Now, it is so common for us to thank God it's Friday, but to dread Monday. And that's sad because, you know, we spend 40% of our lives at work. Do you think God wants you to be miserable for 40% of your life? No, the scripture says in John chapter 10 and verse 10, I have come so that you can have life and you can have it more abundantly. And so if you are struggling at work, yet following Jesus, this series is for you. And it's my prayer um, that you will move from just enduring work to enjoying work and that this series will be an opportunity for God to breathe on you and to breathe on your your work life. Well, today I want to talk to you about the number one reason you hate your job. How about that? The number one reason that you hate your job. In a recent Microsoft Trends report, it said that 41% of Americans are looking to change jobs. So that's pretty interesting there. Let me say, if you hate your job, the reason you hate your job is not because of the uh, people. It's not because of the politics. It's not because of the problems. It's not because of the lack of progress. I believe that the number one reason that people hate their job is that they're not recognizing God's presence and God's purpose in their work. The number one reason you hate your job is you don't recognize God's presence and God's purpose in your work. Now, the big idea for this series is this, that your job is important to God and it is a part of his plan for your life. Your job is important to God and it is a part of his plan for your life. The scriptural foundation for this series comes from Colossians chapter 3. Um, In verse 23, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart 
as working for the Lord, not for human masters. This verse tells us to work hard. This verse tells us to do our best because we're actually working for God, not for other people. Today, I want you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Now, some of you are saying, wait a minute, are we talking about the Good Samaritan again this week? No, not, not this week. However, we completed that series and we stopped on that series on Luke chapter 10, verse 37. That was two weeks ago. Today, we're looking at Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Just the very next verse. Here we see that Jesus was invited to be the guest of honor at a home of a lady named Martha who had the job of catering the event. Now, she had to collect, she had to coordinate, she had to cook everything for this large group of people. And one would assume that this would be a highlight. This would be the best day that Martha had at work. Because this wasn't a normal reception that she would handle. This was not like a bar mitzvah. This was a state dinner for the Son of God himself. Certainly, she would find fulfillment. Certainly, she would find peace being in the presence of Jesus. But that's not what we read here. We pick it up in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and said, Lord, do you not care? Do you not care that my sister has left me to do all of the work by myself? Would you please tell her to do something? And so what we see here in verse 40, it says, Martha was distracted. It's easy to get distracted in this day and age. But why was she distracted? First of all, she was distracted with all the preparations, the task. I mean, she showed up, she put her head down, and she went to work. And maybe that's you. That's what you do. You show up at work, you dive into emails, you have your first appointment, you have your second meeting, um, and you get the day done. And you never notice God at work. In fact, you go through your entire day checking boxes, getting things done, but you never slow down enough to recognize God at work. Martha was distracted not only with tasks, but with people. She had hired Mary. She hired her sister. And and apparently that was a mistake because Mary had forgotten the second course because she was in there chatting it up with Jesus and left Martha to do all the work. What we see here, sometimes it's difficult to work with family. Sometimes it's really difficult to work with your family. Now, the Baker family, I'm telling you, we're all intertwined. Together, we serve three different companies and we're in each other's business. And it is a blessing, but it is also at times a challenge, okay? Uh, For instance, uh, some time ago, uh, Patty was just so longing for our youngest son, Sam, to go on vacation with us. And she said, Sam, why don't you go on vacation with us? (laughs) He looked at his mom and said, Mom, I am with you every day, just right down the hall. Going on vacation with you would not be a vacation for me. (laughs) True words right there. 
And we get it, we understand, because sometimes you need some distance along the way. What we see here in this passage is that Martha was frustrated. She was frustrated with her family member that she was working with. She was frustrated with Mary. Then let me ask you a question. Who are you frustrated with? Mm Mm-hmm. Who are you frustrated with? Are you frustrated with that toxic coworker? Are you frustrated with that cranky customer? If he shows up one more time, I don't know what I'm going to do. Who are you frustrated with? Are you frustrated with somebody? I think maybe that gossipy coworker that just you know, are, maybe you're frustrated with that obnoxious fan that wears that Florida jersey to, uh, to work every day. I mean, that's frustrating. I mean, really frustrating. Martha was distracted. She was distracted because of the people, but also because inside there was a discontentment for her. She was so frustrated, she complained to Jesus, Jesus, you got to do something here. I think she was discontented because inside there were some unmet needs. I think she was looking forward to this experience, um, anticipated it, hosting Jesus. But in the end, hosting Jesus, she anticipated it to be more fulfilling and more satisfying than it actually was. And maybe that's the same thing that some of you are struggling with. You thought that your current job was going to be better than it is. I mean, you took this job, and this was your dream job, and you dove in, and it's just not what you expected. It's just not as good as you expected. You expected it to be fulfilling. You expected it to be satisfying. But instead of that, when the alarm goes off on Monday morning, you just have this sense of dread that comes over you. Or you were determined to be a stay-at-home mom because it seemed so glamorous on Instagram. On Instagram, it was all beautiful and wonderful pictures. You said, I want to do that. I want to stay at home and I want to be with my kids. But yet, now you're under the load of taking care of these wonderful children, and it's hard. It's really hard. Maybe you're well into your career and you just don't like what you're seeing because maybe your company's been sold to some venture capital group and and now it's a whole new set of rules and regulations and, and you've just lost your joy and you've lost your purpose because it's not like you signed on. Well, I want to encourage you by pointing it out to look at Martha. Just because Martha was distracted does not mean that Jesus was distant. Jesus understood what she was feeling. Jesus understands what you're going through. He understands what you are feeling. Don't forget that Jesus spent a significant part of his life in a carpenter's shop. I mean, for 30 years he lived with a carpenter's shop because his dad was a carpenter. He was in the family business. He was only in public ministry for three years. And it was in that carpenter shop, he learned how to deal with customers. He learned how to uh, meet deadlines. He learned how to earn a living. I think 
The reason he did that, because he wanted to gain an understanding of what it means to be in your shoes. He wanted to feel the pressure of working in the real world. He wanted to understand firsthand what you go through. And I know sometimes you're at work and you don't feel like Jesus is anywhere close by, but let me tell you that he is close. Christ is with you. He's with you in that cubicle. He's with you in that garage. He is with you in that classroom. Christ is with you. He is in that boardroom. He is on that job site. And because he is with you, I want you to slow down and listen. You should expect to hear him speak to you. In the Old Testament, Sarah was washing dishes when God revealed that she would birth a nation. Moses was at work when he encountered God in the burning bush. Ruth was at work when uh, she, God revealed her husband. David was at work when he wrote many of the Psalms that we read today. And most of the disciples were at work when Jesus drafted them into the ministry. Here's the point. God performs some of his greatest works when you are engaged in your work. God performs some of his greatest works when you are engaged in your work. Just those everyday tasks, those routines, God shows up and God brings help. God brings miracles in the motion. So I just want you to open your spiritual eyes. I want you to start to recognize God's activity. You may think he's quiet. You may think he's not there, but God is working behind the scenes in your life to get you to this point so that you would be sensitive enough to open up your heart to hear him. There are three uh, things I want to focus on today. First of all, this is this. When you are working, when you are working, you're walking in God's design. When you are working, you're walking in God's design. God never intended for you to go to work and leave him at home. God wanted to be a a partner. He wanted to be a part of your life. I talked about God's design for your life last week and about your shape and your spiritual gifts. And so so if you did not hear last week's message, go back uh, at stevenscreekchurch.com and listen to it. What we know when we start to understand God's design that that God often uses work to address three things in our lives. First of all, he wants to develop your character, your character development. God uses work to teach you many valuable lessons. Work often teaches us the importance of perseverance. It teaches us the importance of determination. It teaches us the importance of responsibility and the value of contributing to the world at large. In Psalm chapter 105, the writer retells the story of the Old Testament character named Joseph. Now, we know Joseph as the one who had the coat of many colors. As a teenager, Joseph was sold into slavery by his jealous brothers. He was imprisoned, and then um, while, while he was in prison, he endured many hardships. All the while, he stayed faithful to God, and he used his talents wisely. And God used adversity to help shape him. So in Psalm chapter 105, in verse 19, it says, Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, notice this, the Lord tested Joseph's character. The Lord 
tested Joseph's character. So many times when our character is tested, we have this inclination to run, to change jobs. Too many people abandon job, a job at the first sign of difficulty. They change jobs like some people change clothes. I mean, they just go in and out because when a circumstance gets difficult, they want to leave. But what they fail to realize is just maybe this difficult circumstance is an opportunity for God to develop your character so that you can become stronger on the inside so that you can handle more in the days ahead. And every time you quit a job too quickly, you're missing an opportunity to develop character. And God will not promote you until his purpose is fulfilled in you. You see, I believe that promotion doesn't come from the east or west, but promotion comes from the Lord himself. And God is working you, and he's building you from the inside out. Joseph, look, he didn't enjoy serving his brothers. Joseph didn't enjoy serving in Potiphar's household. He didn't enjoy being in prison, but he had this grit about him. He said, I'm going to have grit. I'm not going to quit this. I'm going to press through the problems. So God often uses work to develop character in us, but also develops our calling. Now, there's three ways to look at your, at your work. You can look at your work as a job. You can work, look at your work as a career, or you can look at your work as a calling. Most people see their work as a job. It's just an obligation to get money, to take care of their needs, and uh, take care of their family. That is a good thing. That is being responsible. I think there's great dignity in working a job and being faithful in the job. There's something about that. For, to them or this group, they don't really care what the job is because their fulfillment's not coming from that job. Their com- fulfillment's coming from um, their house or I mean, from um, their family or from their church. They do the job so they can serve other places. But some people view the work as a career. And when you view it as a career, you start to enjoy it just a little bit more. You find satisfaction in it. You find security. You find a lifestyle. You find a rhythm in this career. And it's good. But a few people see their work as a calling. And when they see their work as a calling, it's more than that. You find fulfillment and you find deep joy and satisfaction in that. Several years ago, I had some uh, intense pain in my jaw. went down through my neck and headaches and so forth. I had TMJ. I went to several doctors and they recommended me to go to Dr. Williamson in Evans. And Dr. Williamson passed away a couple of years ago. He passed away at 82 and he was still serving patients at 82. Now, when I would sit in his chair and he would come over to me, it was like his hands were anointed to do this. I mean, I am telling you, I felt like I was in the presence of God because God touched his hands to manipulate jaw lines and all of that to, re- re- to relieve me of pain. And he did it for 
hundreds, thousands of people over the last, uh, his career in town. But I saw him, he was anointed to do that. He was anointed. He was anointed uh, to help people with TMJ. I see God's anointing on so many people. In the medical field, you're, you're anointed to, to help these patients. Or, or maybe in education, you're anointed to help people uh, expand their skills. You're help, helping people grow in their knowledge. Maybe you're anointed with your hands and, and you work with wood. And what you can do with wood um, defies everybody else. It's amazing what you can do. Or that you can take something and you can make it beautiful. There's a calling to that. And I believe too many times people rush into a career without ever considering calling or meaning or purpose. They are looking primarily what's in it for me, how much money can I make in this position. I'm telling you, all the money that they can give you is not going to meet that, that satisfaction and that fulfillment down inside. And I just want you to consider that as you look ahead in your future, that you consider what is meaningful, what is purposeful. You consider how God has wired you and God has created you to be. And you go after how you have been wired. Have you been created? And you play to your strengths and you will find contentment and fulfillment. And you, I think you'll find your purpose here. Here's the point. A paycheck without purpose leads to a lack of passion. A paycheck without purpose is going to lead you to a, life, a lack of passion. And so I want you to figure out your spiritual gifts. I want you to figure out those natural talents, those natural abilities. And I want you to lean into that. Here's the third thing. God created work to address three things. Also, your contentment. So many times we think about work as keeping us from happiness, but I believe your work can be the key to your happiness. There's something about doing a job and the satisfaction of a completed job that you can say, man, that's good. In fact, that's what God did. When God created this earth, each day he said, this was good, this was good. There's nothing more satisfying than doing a task and looking at the job that you have completed and think, you know what, that's good. Now, my dad was a hard worker, often would take on multiple shifts uh, at the meal. He just worked. At one point in my life, my dad worked three different jobs. My dad worked in the meal. My dad was a janitor at the church, and my dad was the weekend bartender at the Moose Club. And then when the church found out he was the weekend bartender at the Moose Club, he was down to two jobs. Because he said, you can't be at the Pentecostal Holiness Church and also be at the Moose Club. And so he didn't leave the church. He stayed in the church, but he went down to two jobs. Now, when he retired, he was still a worker. I mean, he, he went to grocery stores. He worked for the funeral home. He did anything like that, but he gave his efforts as a volunteer at the Rice Memorial Baptist Church in Greenwood, and that's what just gave him great joy. But there came a point in his life and in his retirement that his focus and his work shifted to my mom because my mom developed Alzheimer's, and it was a 10, 12-year journey of Alzheimer's. And so he became the primary caregiver for my mother. 
There came a point in her journey that she had to be placed in a memory care facility. My dad would go see her every day. And it was very interesting to watch him as he would walk in and go down the hallways uh, of the memory care. And he would go see my mom, but on the way, he would greet every uh, resident there in memory care. He would look them in the eyes. He would laugh at them. He would say hello, and he would greet them going in, and then he would greet and talk to them on the way out. That was his deal. He was taking care of them. At one point, he said, uh, he started doing that out in the, the larger home, and he said, Marty said, these people are bringing me their problems, and I don't know how to handle that. <laughs> and I kind of laughed at that. I thought, Dad, you're pastoring this campus. You're a campus pastor right here. But there came a point when my mother passed away, and he said, I don't have a purpose. He said, I don't have a purpose anymore. I said, yeah, you do, Dad. You have a purpose. No, he said, I, don't, I, I lost my purpose. He lost his purpose, and 14 months later, he died. But I would like to say to him, God, you, uh, Dad, you didn't lose your purpose. You fulfilled your purpose. You did what you were called to do. He didn't lose his purpose. He just fulfilled it. He did what he was created to do. He gave people joy and, and laughter, and he, and he helped people along the way. I said there's three major points. Here's the second one. When you're working, God is working with you. God is working with you. I think some people struggle at work because they are always working alone. They think, I'm responsible to make this happen. It is all up to me. And I'm telling you, I fall in that category sometimes that I take the weight of the world and say, okay, if it's to be, it's up to me. And I just go all in. All in oftentimes means that I can't handle it really. And the pressure is overwhelming. God didn't just create work. But God created us to be partners with him in our work. He wants to work with us. God wants to work with you to make things happen. We see the creation story in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 4, notice this. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord made the earth and the heavens. Verse 5, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was, notice this, no one to work the ground. God is saying, I'll do the creating, but I want a partner to do the cultivating. Now, God could have created a garden to be self-sustaining. But he created it not to grow until his partner was there to cultivate it. This proves that God's motivation for your work is not production but the joy of partnership. God is not impressed by what you can produce on your job. God is not impressed with what you can produce, 
but he enjoys the partnership that he has with you in the process. In 1972, David Green was working as a supervisor for a variety store in Oklahoma City. And one day, God prompted him to open up his own store. David knew that this was not a wild dream or just his own ambition, but he knew it was a prompting from the Lord because his dad was a pastor and had taught him to read the Bible and pray and to listen to God's promptings. So he went and took out a $600 loan and rented a 300-square-foot building and opened up a shop that would focus on picture frames. And he called this little shop Hobby Lobby. He opened this store with three guiding principles. First of all, that it would be closed on Sunday and he would recognize Sunday as the day of worship. The second one, it would be not only a way to make money, but it would be a way to leverage money for the kingdom of God. That he would use the resources of this to advance God's Christ's cause uh, around the world. And the third thing that you may not uh, have heard of before, that every week David would go to the store and would pray over the store and he would ask the Lord, what do you want me to bring to the front of the store and what do you want me to put on sale? And he has continued to do that even after all these years. And somebody would say, well, why would you do that? I mean, you're the boss, you just decide. He said, no. He said, I'm the manager. God is the owner. And so the manager asked the owner, what do you want at the front and what do you want to put on sale? And so Hobby Lobby, with God as a partner, goes from a 300-square-foot single store in Oklahoma City to today over 1,000 locations and an $8 billion annual revenue. The company is debt-free and gives away 50% of his income every year to Christian ministries. Isn't that amazing? Amen. That's what it looks like when God is your partner. God said, I will make it grow. This is the message of John chapter 15 and verse 5. It says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is a word for some of you. Hear this. God wants your business to grow. God wants to grow your business. But the problem is you're doing it all by yourself. And it is futile for you to do alone, uh, do this alone. If you will make God your partner, you'll be fruitful. And here's what that looks like. So if you need a new job, before you submit that resume to monster.com, you submit that resume to the Lord in prayer. I'm working for you. You're my partner in this. That's, that's what it looks like. Some of you are in a place where maybe you're in a business where you're sunsetting some of the products and you're trying to figure out what's your next emphasis. 
Before you go into that brainstorming session with your team, how about you have a prayer session with the Lord and say, God, what kind of new products do you want me to bring to the marketplace? Some of you are working in a, a toxic environment. What if you would ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and to give you the words to say and so that you can go into your, uh, that business with the fruit of the Spirit operating in you, which is love and kindness and, and um, meekness and patience and joy. Let the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, make God your partner. You feel defeated? I don't have what it takes to get a job. I don't have what it takes to, to advance in this company. God has what it takes. Make him your partner and watch what God does in your job, in your career, and in your calling. Here's the final one. When you are wor uh, working, you are worshiping. When you are working, you are worshiping. A few minutes ago, we were singing, and, and you sounded wonderful. God loves to hear you sing praise unto his name. God loves your singing, but he also loves the smell of your sweat. It's sacred. The smell of your sweat is sacred. Because your work is a way that you worship. That's why the foundation of this series is Colossians chapter 3. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving because work is an expression of your heart, the way we work either honors God or dishonors God. I want you to honor God with your work. I believe that Christians should be the best workers in the company. Christians should be the best teachers and the best doctors and the best landscapers and the best door dashers on the planet. Why? Because we want to give our best to the Lord. When we wash dishes, we want to wash dishes as if he were going to sit at the table and eat, the, eat off of those dishes. When we unclog drains, we're going to unclog them as if it were at his house. When we study, we're going to study as if God is going to grade the exam. Our work is not an occupation. It is an act of worship to God. When I think about worship, I think worship flows out of a heart that is submitted. And so today, I want you to think about two things. I want to, first of all, I want you to think about submitting your heart to the Lord. And the second thing is I want you to think about Submitting your job, your career, and your calling to the Lord. Let's talk about yourself first of all. The word submission means this. An invitation for someone to lead. So when you submit 
to the Lord, you're saying, Jesus, I want you to be the leader of my life. I want you to be the leader. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I submit to you. Have you, have you done that before? Have you invited Jesus to be the leader and the Lord of your life? Jesus, I'm submitting to you. I'm surrendering to you. What keeps us at arm's length is our sin. And oftentimes, we work hard to try to do enough good works so that when we do stand before God, our good works would outweigh our bad works because we feel like God grades on a scale. But that's not how it works. We can never do enough good works to repay for our bad works. So Jesus, who is perfect, took off the robes of judging and came down and dwelt among us. And he gave his life, said, I'll take on the sin of people, the sin of the world. And let me bear that. And when Jesus died on the cross, it was like he was paying for your ticket to heaven. And so we surrender to him, and Jesus comes into our lives to lead us and to guide us, to give us an abundant life, a better life. And so I just want you to think about that. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can do that today. Those of you that are watching online, those of you that are watching on demand, you can do that today. In fact, I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a couple of minutes. After that prayer, I'm going to pray over you, all of you, with, with your job and your career and your calling. That God would give you his favor and God would give you his blessing and that God would give you creative insights. So what I need you to do is just be open. Open to have that conversation with the Lord and open to receive what he has for you. You ready? Let's stand together. Let's pray. Father, I am so thankful and so honored to stand before this wonderful congregation. Father, these are good people. Like I said earlier, the finest people in this community. But Lord, we know that it takes more than goodness to get us into heaven. That we need a Savior. And today, Lord, there are people in this uh, auditorium, people listening online that are going to be praying a prayer because they have never made Jesus the Lord of their lives. So God, as they pray that prayer, I ask that you would do as only you can do, that you would reach down, that you would erase their sin, that you would fill them with, their, um, with your Holy Spirit and your power. So you're ready to pray. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Say that. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Pray this, say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Pray this, say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that you want me to be. I give my life to you. I surrender my life to you. I give you my past, all of my past, and I trust you with my future. Fill me with your spirit. I receive that in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray over the people in this room. I pray, God, that you would move upon our jobs, that you would move upon our careers and our callings. I pray, God, that you would give us insight that's above our abilities. 
God, to give us wisdom that tomorrow as we deal with a crisis at work, that you would start to speak and that we would speak from a vantage point of peace. That we'd bring unity to our office. That we'd bring productivity to our team. That we'd bring peace to our classroom. Father, speak through your people. I pray over you. Those of you that are struggling to make ends meet, God, I ask that you would open a door, that you would give them inspired ideas, that you would give them the ability to create wealth. Come, Holy Spirit, and anoint them to do their task. If it's in plumbing, if it's in woodwork, if it's in teaching and training, God, anoint us with your Spirit so that we can be the people, so that we can be the light that you want us to be. So we receive your power. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you today. Let's give him praise. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.